There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome to 2022, my friends. Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, COVID remains, but the economy is unlocking. Um, Interesting, of course, so over the holidays, uh, spent some time with some paperbacks, uh, just trying to charge up the mind, get some new concepts in place. And, you know, in terms of money, in terms of wealth, and that's what Jack and I focus on each and every day on your behalf, uh, full-time job, uh, full-time passion. We just never stop uh, paying attention. But truth be told, nothing has really changed, and yet so much has changed. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, in terms of building wealth, and I've been running commercials on this, I've been speaking about this, I'm going to say it again. To build wealth, the, the, the sure way to build wealth, there's many ways to build wealth, uh, but the, the, the high probable means that I think most Canadians should adhere to is wake up, go to work, live beneath your means, save, invest, repeat, and do that for two to three days decades and you will be set for life mark my words uh remarkable how much wealth has been created in the last five six seven decades post world war ii and you know and that that's an incredible date in history because so much of the data that that we practitioners of wealth focus on is always post world war ii because all of a sudden the the, the magic of uh the markets uh were passed on to the hands of the central banks uh, who basically had our backs. Uh, time and time again, when markets fall, the central banks, the central authorities step in and print money. And it just continues to repeat itself. And, and, and that's where things really have not changed. It's phenomenal. Going through the book, The Psychology of Money, fantastic refresher on so many things Jack and I have been talking about. And a lot of things that I learned uh, coming out of the book as well. But again, if you were forward in 1945, uh, observed the world, and then were put to sleep and, 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 and awoken in 2022, boy, have things changed. New concept that's coming to the table uh, is the metaverse. Jack and I spoke about it last year. I, I think the, the phenomena of the metaverse, as it's so new and unknown, and, 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 and gaining traction, certainly in Silicon Valley, is going to be a theme that we probably want to pay a little bit of attention to. Good friend of mine, Michael Hainsworth, a former business reporter for CTV Toronto, a CTV affiliates across Canada, anchor on BNN, Bloomberg, uh, formerly the Business News Network. Uh, Michael Hainsworth, Happy New Year to you, my friend. It's, I'm, I'm delighted to have you on the show uh, once again. Uh, you are a futurist in my mind. I always saw you as a, a tech geek and a futurist. Um, New Year's Eve, and again, the show was being recorded. I, I, I confess to you, my friends at home, uh, couldn't find any guests who want to work uh, over the holiday weekend, so we record <laughs> the show here ahead of New Year's Eve. But uh, you're going to be um, uh, seeing a concert uh, on New Year's Eve. That sounds like fun. Uh, but I thought we have a COVID lockdown going on. Yeah, this is going to be the beautiful thing uh, about the future in which you will eventually live. You, you call me a futurist. I like to joke that I'm a, I live about 10 years 
into everybody else's future. I was doing smart home technology long before most people were having to program my own house, all of that kind of stuff. You mentioned you spent the holidays recharging, reading paperbacks. I haven't picked up a paperback book in years, my goodness. But yes, this whole thing with COVID-19 means we couldn't possibly get together in real life for a concert. So I am having a virtual date in VR with my lady friend to see the Chainsmokers live in concert <laughs> using the Quest 2. Are you familiar with the Quest 2? This used to be Facebook's Oculus. Since they rebranded, it's now the Meta Quest 2, this bright white headset that you put on. It looks like something out of Star Wars. Where, where do you get the headset from, Michael? These things are available on your Amazon. You can buy them directly from, from Facebook slash Meta as well. And it is the best-selling virtual reality headset. It is under $500. And I cannot begin to express to you what a big deal it is that you can spend about 400 bucks on a high-quality VR headset that tracks your hands and does all of this kind of stuff. I remember being 16 years old in the 1980s standing in line for two hours in the sun at the CNE just for an opportunity to experience this new thing they called VR. And eventually I got my 10 minute turn for like 20 bucks and put on this giant space balls style helmet. And it was all wireframes and it was nauseating. And it was like, this is nothing. And then fast forward 30 years to the point where we've got consumer, like you could spend more, and I bet you have at a night out for dinner than you would buying this VR headset. And the industry estimates that about 10 million of them were sold just over the course of the last year. I know three people who got them for Christmas this year. And so there's this big push towards doing things online in a real high quality way that we couldn't do before. I want to speak about that, Michael, and I'm glad you, 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 you paused there for me to let me get back in here. I just bought myself a new car. Uh, supply chain disruptions uh, have taken all the cars out of the market. Uh, what's available, take it or leave it. I couldn't even test drive the car that I purchased. They wouldn't let it. There's one on the showroom. It just came in. Someone didn't accept delivery. Take it or leave it. Wolf, and it was fully loaded. So you had all the bells and whistles, which I'm not a big fan of. That's the stuff I find that breaks. And it's expensive, those bells and whistles. But I got the full package, um, fit the bullet, uh, purchased the car. Uh, but Jack, um, I want you to speak briefly, if you don't mind. Uh, Richard Davis, one of our former analysts. I love Rick Davis. I miss Rick Davis. He was a tech analyst. He was so good. Um, the firm he is now working with, uh, are they, they're involved in the metaverse, and they actually allow you to virtually view product like you could never view product before. Virtually get inside the car, get a feel for what the cockpit's like, have a better view of the outside of the vehicle, uh, because virtually walk into a dealership, that's all I could do is walk around the car anyways. Um, can, can you jump in on that one, Jack? Sure, yeah, the, the, the company is at Unity Software, in which Richard Davis is uh, an analyst that was at Canaccord for a number of years. And uh, as soon as he left Canaccord to go to Unity, uh, I think a lot of people really caught their attention because uh, he's an exceptional analyst. And I think it is a, an exceptional company that's growing really fast. And it really is focused on, you know, virtual reality. And when we had him on our radio show, we talked about the fact that, you know, get into a car, you can feel how it's going to drive, you can actually see, you know, the different controls and the likes and, and take it for a virtual test drive. So 
that might have helped you out with your car uh, and your purchase, I guess, Wolf. But uh, I think it's a, a way of the future without question. And, uh, you know, the car application is only one. And like Michael said, I think this is something that's going to happen and be more a part of our lives uh, moving forward. Well, yeah, from concerts to cars, what else? Uh, what other applications, Michael, uh, do you see? Uh, in the metaverse, and maybe if you don't mind, Michael, give us a brief description, but from your lens, for the audience's sake, what is the metaverse? And once again, what are the opportunities? Yeah, Google Trends um, has uh, seen a 10 times jump in the search interest in the term metaverse over just the last three months or so. And a lot of that had to do with Facebook coming out, changing its name to Meta, a big smoke and mirrors campaign to change the conversation from obscene abuses and bowing to Republican politics out of fear of retribution, as reported in the Facebook papers. Um, Metaverse has existed long before Facebook claimed it invented it. For example, this past Christmas, uh, over the holidays, my daughter, at age 15, has been learning how to drive a car in VR using a force feedback steering wheel and pedals that I've got. Uh, and, you know, Facebook's been quietly buying up AR VR companies uh, for some time. But what we're talking about is virtual reality, augmented reality, and what has been termed mixed reality, which is kind of a bit of both. It's a $30 billion industry today. It's expected to rise to almost $300 billion by 2024. Now, VR is largely games at this point. It takes over your vision. It's not very functional for things uh, in the real world. But AR literally augments what you're already seeing in the real world. And the idea here is that you're wearing regular style glasses and things are beamed into your eyeballs to make it look like they're there. And you mentioned the car example. You did augmented reality with your iPad, angling it around, stepping into the vehicle, getting a sense as to, you know, what it might be like behind the wheel by looking at this, you know, 10.2 inch screen or or so. Uh, That is sort of part of that AR world. We got a great example of that when Pokemon Go came out several years ago, and it put those little Pokemon characters your kids love in real-world settings like parks and stuff like that. But you mentioned the car thing. And AR with a headset is great for complex tasks like disassembling the engine of that car, real-time scanning of citizens on a street for risk of criminality. China's doing this with its social credit system. Uh, We can address skills gaps for new workers using this technology. And the augmented reality market is expected to be about 90% of that $300 billion. So not only can I spend an evening with my girlfriend in VR watching a, a concert or wondering where that widget is in the real world when I'm trying to disassemble something or maybe change the oil on on my car. It's going to be all sorts of things that we never thought before because the resolution is going to get so much better than it is today. The problem we have today with AR and VR is something called the screen door effect. You put your laptop monitor an inch close to your face, you're going to see the individual dots. We kind of have that problem right now. It's being resolved dramatically over the course of the the next year or two. So it's going to be a massive market for a whole bunch of capabilities. We speak with Michael Hainsworth, a good friend of mine, former business anchor at BNN, longtime broadcaster. He's a futurist. Um, Great guy, great guy. He's he's also the host of Where's My Jetpack. Going to pay some bills around here and get right back to Hi-Fi Radio Global News 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
Welcome back to the show, my friends. Speaking with Michael Hainsworth, the man who has not read a paperback in <laughs> decades. No, he's online, indeed. You know, Michael, I'm going to say, I still like pen. Call me old school. Call me dated. Call me um, uh, resistant to change, which I'm not. Uh, we all are to some degree, this question of uh, when we adapt and change. Um, but, you know, pen and paper, and I, I'm holding both right now, uh, they're, they're necessary too. They work. You know why? Why screw with something that works? Uh, and I, I'm watching my my, my son uh, go through college and uh, all online. And there are no textbooks. Everything is online. And 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 the problem the problem with that is when you don't have a piece of paper, you you, you don't make notes. You you think you can remember it. You don't print out what's online. It's not the same. And Sex in the City uh, is is back on the air. My wife and I enjoyed. It. The uh, series, uh, it was off air, I think, for two decades. Uh, I think it's called The Next Life now. It's on Netflix, only four episodes so far. It's quite good. Um, and and, and just, just to appreciate all the change that has happened in the last 20 years, um, it, it behooves me. Uh, but uh, once again, uh, pen and paper do work. Uh, so I do encourage all of you to pick up a paperback <laughs> and, and read one. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned The Psychology of Money, another Fantastic book! I think everyone should read is how to win, uh, how to uh, win friends and influence people. Kale, uh, Dale Carnegie, absolute gem. Uh, we have to always better ourselves, and no better way to better yourself than to read. Michael, I, I know you're a voracious reader. That's why you're so smart and in tune, and of course, uh, trying to pay attention to what's going to happen tomorrow is is, is quite a feat. Uh, so I, I respect you for your talents, and one of the reasons why I'd like to bring you on air to help us with what is going to take place tomorrow. Um, you talk about skill sets with, with uh, VR in the, in, in the employment world, filling voids with technology. Um, you know, again, in reading the book of Psychology of Money, uh, the, the haves through technology and through good fortune and, and good timing have become a lot richer. And those who lack skill sets have actually become quite disadvantaged in the last three and a half decades. Uh, do you think technology is, is going to help or hinder uh, the, the, the underclass, shall I say? Because I personally want to, I'm, I'm cheering for them, I want to see them move up into the middle class and the, the, the upper class. There is a huge digital divide that exists in this world, and it's only getting greater, and we need to do a lot to reduce that. And one way that we can do that is through connectivity, uh, the, just getting access to the Internet. Like you, you, if you walk down any major city street uh, where there is a homeless problem, you're going to see a kid sitting on the street begging for change, holding a smartphone. And some people would say, you know, why should I give that kid any money? Obviously, he's got a phone, you know, like he can afford that. Well, the reality is, is you are not a member of society if you do not have a smartphone anymore. And as we move from uh, LTE and fourth generation wireless into 5G, there is a renewed need for us to close that digital gap in regions that are outside of city centers where this technology is going to be far easier to implement than in you know, small towns and uh, across country. Uh, we have to focus on that. And there is money being allocated for that at the federal level to encourage the incumbents to make that possible as well. And it's not just something that's happening in Canada. It's happening around the world. And the telecommunications industry recognizes that Growth requires lifting everyone up. And one of the easiest ways we can do that is to ensure that Internet connectivity is available to everyone who needs it when they need it. 
You know, it, it is remarkable when you, when you speak about uh, the, the homeless, because uh, every now and then I have seen a homeless individual with a smartphone, um, and, and you are so right. In this day and age, to survive without a smartphone, I could not imagine, because so many tasks from, 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 from booking a, a COVID appointment to getting on an airplane to, 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 to making a financial transaction requires a smartphone. Uh, to, to live without one is... is I could not imagine, yet 25 years ago, who would have thought we'd be so dependent on that piece of technology? And technology is great, of course, when it works, um, but that is, it, it remains still quite complex, and to simplify it, I also think is one of the great challenges. Um, a way to play the space, of course, of the metaverse is virtual uh augmented reality to, or a parallel universe, shall we? Maybe they should have called it a parallel universe instead of the metaverse, I don't know, um, is the semiconductor space. That, that's a space that Jack and I uh, have had our uh, foot on, or in for some time now. Uh, the little chips that are in everything we purchase from cars to phones to, oh, I don't know, even on our, the, the pallet where, where your cereal uh, was, was delivered. By the way, there is a shortage of Rice Krispies and Corn Flakes, I understand, out there. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Uh, from toilet paper to, to cornflakes. I can't get a new toilet seat, by the way. I don't know if that has anything to do with not being able to get toilet paper two years ago, but toilet seats are in short supply as well. Um, but let's continue. Uh, I, I mentioned the semiconductor space. I think if you want to have a play on technology, uh, 5G network, driverless cars, uh, virtual reality, buy semiconductor stocks or have exposure to semiconductor stocks. Uh, well, what do you think, Michael? What's, what's a great way to play the metaverse? Well, if the metaverse is really going to take off big time, it's going to require better headsets, better connectivity, as well as integration. Better headsets, we're talking about eye and facial tracking, so that when you smile or squint, it's replicated in the in the metaverse. Uh, Apple, we know, is working on a mixed reality headset expected at the end of this year or early 2023. The 5G wireless I mentioned as far as the digital divide applies here as well. 5G wireless will <clears throat> offload at high speed and low latency a lot of the work that is needed for the metaverse. All the heavy lifting is going to be done in the cloud. Cloud computing is something that we knew about 15 years ago, but now we're talking about edge cloud computing, putting the servers closest to the 5G user to reduce the latency. Shortest round trip time for data increases the quality, gives you real time capabilities that we can't even begin to understand are gonna be possible. And then there's the integration. Devices will get higher quality, give us the ability to wear them for extended periods, for example, when Apple introduced Handoff, it was a game changer. You could start an email on your phone, finish it on your laptop, that sort of thing. The ability to move content from one AR app to another is going to be pretty critical. And to your point, the chip-making industry is going to be a huge foundational player in the metaverse. Qualcomm, for example, they're the makers of the Snapdragon chip that's in that Quest 2 headset that I was telling you about, the one that's less than $500 and gives you the ability to do remarkable AR VR, not just for gaming, but for other stuff as well. Year to date, the stock's up about 25%. It's near a 52-week high at uh, about 186 bucks or so. It can't seem to break past it, but it does have some support at about 183 and then below that even at 185. It's only trading 24 times earnings. It even has a modest dividend. I, I, Intel, meantime, that one has been playing catch-up ever since the CTO was named CEO. They've got a strong foothold, though, in the server space. And the Q3 data center revenue was up 10% year over year. Granted, the stock is only up by about 4%. It's got a beta of 0.5. Like, holy moly, and a PE of 10. Talk about widows and orphans. 
Uh, and it is off its 52-week low with near-term support around 56. And then we're talking about AMD for that edge computing c- competition. It's up more than 60%, trading 46 times earnings. It's got a floor around 135, but it's off its 52-week high. And then there are two more. Um, because those servers are going to be doing the heavy lifting of generating the graphics that you see, because you don't want to put that on your face. You don't want to put that in your pocket. NVIDIA, the graphics chip makers of 128% over year over year and trading 92 times earnings. Now, it broke its upward momentum in early December. It's been retesting resistance. It did so four times since early November. Hasn't been able to revisit its 52-week high. But the one that I'm particularly keen on right now is a company called Matterport. Are you familiar with Matterport? No, I'm not. I bought a house this time a year ago. And as you know, when you buy a house, there's usually about two or three months between the time you purchased it and the time you close. I spent those three months before moving in using my Quest 2 and Matterport to stand in the house I had bought yet not yet moved into so that I could make renovation and decor decisions all by walking around the house. And it's not just for the real estate industry. Matterport has been focusing on something called digital twins which is another massive technology tied to artificial intelligence in the 21st century, particularly as as we move forward here. It has the ability, a digital twin is the replication of a real world environment that allows you to experiment with that real world environment to see what the outcomes will be before doing it in real life. For example, digital twins are used in port management at the port of Hamburg uh, to be able to figure out, you know, well, what if we had three more people working versus 20 more people working? What if we had higher powered machines to lift the crates off the, the, the boats? It's used for things like cancer research in Toronto, telecommunications infrastructure to test security, and autonomous vehicles to test reaction impact on traffic. Matterport does that kind of thing with digital twins. It's a $21 stock today. It's up about 100% or so over the course of the last year, but it's also off its 52-week high around $32. So there's been a pause that may refresh going down the road. Matterport. I have to look into that one, Michael. I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, we, we have a position in Google. We have a position in Facebook. We have a position in Apple. Uh, so we got some hardware exposure. Um, gaming uh, space, obviously, is going to have a play in the metaverse universe. And, and gaming's funny because my, my, my middle son, Elliot, uh, was a gamer, um, got extremely addicted to gaming. He actually went almost nuts gaming. Uh, went off gaming, sold his gear. We were delighted. Went to university uh, on campus, and all of a sudden, friends get back into gaming. He wants to get back into gaming. He's back into gaming. And, and, and the yelling continues. It's, it's unbelievable uh, how involved he gets into gaming. Uh, so we, we had to buy him a new headset. He wanted a new headset. Um, the... He's really just one step away from playing in the metaverse. So how close is gaming to the metaverse? And again, uh, which gaming stocks do you think are going to be a huge benefactor from the play? Um, Gaming is the primary function of virtual reality today. And that Facebook slash meta Oculus Quest 2 headset 
is really that entry point for pretty much everybody. Prior to this, headsets had cables that had to go to a high-powered PC. That's not the case anymore. Facebook slash Meta slash Oculus has been buying up software companies left, right, and center for this. So your exposure via Facebook is an excellent way to get involved in that. Uh, you and Jack, we were talking about uh, Unity as a 3D rendering technology that is being used in this space. It's very big in this space right now, but it's not the only player. Uh, but this time last year, uh, Unreal Engine was updated to Unreal Engine 5. And I, I cannot, we could do, spend an entire day just talking about how incredibly powerful this new technology is. It essentially eliminates the hardware issue of having a high-powered computer for gaming. What it does, it, typical gaming uh, creates uh, an object, you know, maybe it was that car that you saw that you decided to buy online uh, using polygons. What Unreal Engine two has, uh, 5 has managed to do is eliminate the need for individual polygons to be rendered in real time. So you get this incredible high resolution graphic where you could look right down to the stitching of the vehicle uh, without having to have any load times. And that all gets offloaded again into the cloud. So this technology is going to be an explosion for the gaming industry and not just gaming, but for pretty much everything we do. They're using it to make major motion pictures right now. Michael Hainsworth, uh, bringing to the forefront the likes of Matterport, Digital Twins. Uh, incredible speak, Mike. It really was. I can't uh, thank you enough. Uh, look, we're going to bring you back on the show in the new year. I want to wish you a, a very successful 2022, my good friend. Uh, keep looking forward, and uh, we're going to be right there beside you. Sci-Fi Radio, we're going to speak with Brad Lamb, talk real estate in the next segment. Quick break, get right back to the show. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. I manage money, help clients build wealth. Slow, steady Eddie wins the race. And certainly when you view real estate, that is not an asset you ever really want to flip. In fact, some believe you just buy it and hang on to it forever. Uh, Brad Lamb, uh, President Brad Lamb Realty, uh, number one condo and loft brokerage firm in the city. Uh, 20 years, Brad has led marketing and sales programs for dozens of projects in Toronto, um, including the tip-top lofts. I, I, I did not know that, Brad. Uh, it's, it's ironic. Back in my broadcast sales days, uh, I pitched tip-top tailors some advertising and I actually went into that building. And that was a really funky building with the crooked sign. Um, so you, you turned that into condos, did you? Yeah, pretty well every every cool project from 19... 96 to 2004 in Toronto, I, I sold, I did the, the, you know, developer would hire me to help them kind of conceive of the project, sell the project, uh, help design the project. I did, I did like uh, about 120 projects in that period. It was, it was crazy. You are very successful, Ed, but you now are in the business of building buildings. Um, I said to Jack Offer and you Offer, I, I already know the name of your next project. Uh, whether or not you have uh, the, the land yet doesn't matter. And the, the name of your next project, my forecast, is going to be London. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brad Lamb, 
has had another baby, little baby girl. You're like Mick Jagger, Brad. Uh, I don't know how you do it. And, and, and here you are joining us on the show. You, you have a bout of COVID. You had a baby. And I'm so disappointed, but you were very responsible. You were, you were going to have the party of parties in the city of Toronto uh, on New Year's Eve to celebrate your 60th birthday. And of course, you had to shut that down. So I was so disappointed uh, and so flattered that you invited me to that party. So a lot going on in your world, my friend. Yeah, it was a busy year. It was a, it was a great year, actually. I mean, you know, it, there was a lot of tough things to, to deal with, um, you know, emotionally and mentally with, with COVID. It is a trying time for everybody. But despite all that stuff, uh, I, you know, I had a good year. And you had another baby. I think that, that, that's so nice. You know, I, I think it's really good for all of us uh, to have children. And uh, I think men, you know, men are so much better off when they have a little girl in their life. They, they, do you not agree, guys? And you both do. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, uh, so her name, her full name is James London Lamb. So James is my father. <laughs> I love it. Oh, James London Lamb. That's unbelievable. She better be a cool kid, right? That, that, that is very, that's a great name. That, that, that is a good handle, Brad. Uh, good for you. Good for you. Let's talk about um, supply and demand. Demand for Toronto, Brad, is on the uptick. By, is, is it 100,000 um, new citizens joining the city in the next number of years? No, it's more than that. I mean, it, it, when, when COVID is, is not here, the, the city... The, the actual city proper grows by um, like 130,000 people. It's the fastest growing city in the free world. Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth is, is number two. And um, we, we have more trains in this city than the four biggest cities in development in, in, in the United States. This is the center of the universe for development. Anyone who's anyone wants to work in Toronto, the best architects in the world, the best designers in the world, best developers in the world, some of the biggest world corporations work here. Um, it is like, uh, you know, that Frank Sinatra song, it's the New York City of development. You, you truly believe that, but the, the point I, I want to come to, uh, 100,000, 130,000 new, uh, new citizens moving to Toronto, uh, in terms of supply, we are not keeping up with that number, are we? No, but you don't need 130,000 homes to satisfy 130,000 new citizens, right? Like the average is, uh, I, I have to look at, at to be, be sure, but I'm going to say it's probably uh, divide that by three, right? So we need about 45,000 homes a year. Mm -hmm. And we're building um, in the low 30s. There's my point. So there's a gap. Uh, so will this, again, I, I continue to bang my head. Canada has no shortage of land mass. Now, certainly uh, the climate in the country varies dramatically as you go further north. So we want to stay in, in reasonable climate. But still, there is, is, is ample land available to us. Uh, yet it seems to be restricted for development. Well, no, there isn't. See, because the thing is... Um... We have 35 or 38 million people. The United States is 340 million people. And, and so it's about infrastructure, right? You need transportation infrastructure. You need highways. You need trains. You need airports. You need buses. You need, you know, taxis or Ubers. You need clusters where people live together. You need to bring water and power to these communities. And, and, and you know, 
a few years ago, we started into the subdivision business. So we're not just doing high rise. We're doing, we're doing subdivisions. And you, sorry, excuse me. You, you, you moved north of Bloor street for some business. Yeah, we have a, we have a, a bunch of developments. One in particular is in Cremor that we're, uh, mm. we started working on. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you see in the, in the city, it's different because you, 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 there is infrastructure problems in the city. Don't get me wrong. You get held up because you don't have the enough, enough power on the street. Uh, you might need uh, more power lines. Uh, they run on the ground. Um, you might need uh, a bigger sewer supply. Yep. You might need a bit of water supply. And someone asked to upgrade that. Often developers pay for that. But mm. out, out in places uh, like, you know, Cremor or any other place that's, you know, a, a good distance from the the core of the infrastructure or where there's limited infrastructure. The big problem is how do we grow the city? It costs, you know, for instance, for us up there, they need another water treatment plant. And uh, that costs a ton of money. The numbers are big. Uh, a stock that Jack and I own and uh, we own basically across our business is a company called Xylem. Uh, they're the world's largest pure water play. Uh, they are involved in, in putting the, the, the capital in, the infrastructure, the maintenance, the servicing, the upgrading. It's an amazing, amazing company. Uh, Xylem is the name of it. Uh, water is a real issue, uh, without question, um, as is infrastructure. And again, you, you hear about that uh, internationally as they're, they're trying to rebuild infrastructure. And, uh, south of the border, of course, um, President Joe Biden has put in what is a $2 trillion infrastructure bill into place. All of that puts demand uh, onto that space, which means prices are going to rise. Um, Brad, in 60 seconds, if you don't mind, have you noticed a lot of inflation as you're working on these projects? Yes, there is inflation, um, but there's more inflation in pricing, in, in sale pricing and construction pricing. So we always have inflation in land. There's always pressure in land prices. They're more reflective of pricing in the overall end product. So end product rises, land prices rises. But yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we're building a building right now that uh, is, is probably um, seven or 8% more expensive than when we started a year and a half ago. We're going to take a quick break, get back with Brad Lamb, uh, president of Brad Lamb Realty, right here on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640, Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. That's for you, Brad. This is your birthday, my friend. And you just had a baby. So that's interesting. Uh, next year, you get to celebrate your baby's birthday, and then I guess your birthday, what, uh, a day or two later? Actually, you know what we're going to do? We're going to um, uh, we're gonna have that party, a belated New Year's birthday party in February. So I was going to knock down that building because we're building Bauhaus you know, on, that, on that. Where the party was going to be this New Year's was – Oh, uh, my, the warehouse that I'm knocking down to build. Oh, you're going to knock. We could have we could have knocked it down for you during the party. That's right. Well, we started anyway. So we, we decided to delay it because we don't actually have to start digging the hole till April. So we're going to I'm assuming we'll be back to normal by February. 
So we're going to repackage it all and, and, and do it in February as a New Year's party and as a birthday party, just belated. Oh, good for you. That, that, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Um, let, let, let's speak about uh, the, the, the year at hand uh, for, for investors out there as, they, as they're rethinking lives and hopefully getting back to more of a normal lifestyle. And again, your focus primarily has been uh, in the condo market. Um, again, let, let's speak about demand and prices in condos. Uh, what have you noticed in the last quarter and what's your forecast for next year in terms of pricing pressure? Well, so the real estate market uh, for, for the first uh, six or seven months of last year was very, very strong. And we saw real price increases, serious price increases. And the market clawed back everything it lost from COVID and then some and, and went beyond it. Uh, last year was the strongest real estate market on record in Toronto. Uh, more houses traded uh, than the previous best year, which is 2016. So that was a record year for MLS sales. Um, and that's saying something, given that there was people, you know, hiding at home and wearing masks and uh, and a large part of the economy was still not operating at 100%. So I think that's an unbelievable thing. What it's telling us about Toronto is it, uh, and I've been saying this to you for years that I've been on your show, Toronto is the number one city in the world. We don't always recognize it, but the world, and I'm not talking, you know, uh, Americans, the world gets Canada. I, I was talking to a climatologist uh, about a month ago. I paid him for an hour of his time to fully explain to me exactly what the future looked like in the world. I wanted to know from uh, a, a well-known world, you know, world-class expert in, in, in climate change. And his statement to me was the best operating country, given what's coming, is going to be Canada. By far. Now, that's our future, right? More people are going to want to come to Canada than anywhere else in the world. And how are we going to be able to handle that? We have a massive country with not a lot of people in it. So we're going to have to, our, our country's going to grow. It's already growing. If you go to places like China and Italy or uh, India, they ask people where they want to go. Number one on the list is Canada, it's not the United States. That's a, you know, the United States is, is where a lot of people want to want to go, for sure. But most people want to come to Canada, and Canada, uh, and and because of this, uh, our 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 country is exploding, uh, is exploding real estate prices, and our government is not addressing the issue the way they should. They're doing all the virtue signaling, oh, we'll punish international investors. Let's tell you about that for a minute, how dumb that is. International investors are part of a group of investors, not just international, but local investors, that, that buy condominiums from floor plans without getting any real information. They don't see what they're buying. They get a picture and a floor plan. They buy units. They put their money down 15 to 20%, and they wait four years. There is no lineup of local Canadian people, young families willing to do that. That's the only way buildings get built in this country. There's no other way to do it because our banks won't lend us any money. So we need these people to complete these buildings. Then the government says, you know, we don't want speculators. Well, ultimately, you want these investors to sell their units. They're not speculating. They sell in five, ten years. We want them to vacate the rental so it goes in the hands of a homeowner. We're creating housing. This is how it happens. 
but they don't know the industry. They're too lazy and stupid to bother to sit down with people in the industry and understand our industry. Brad, I want to stop you right there. You're making a very interesting point here. You really got me thinking, Brad. Um, and if you're just tuning in, Brad Lamb, uh, President Brad Lamb Realty. Uh, yeah, you know him. He's a, he's a great big lamb on the billboards. Uh, I love that picture of you, by the way. Um, Brad, when, you, when you're going through a, a condominium build, uh, start to finish, how long does it take? And how many foreigners tend to purchase a site unseen uh, off of a piece of paper and then have to sit there, wait that four or five year period? What percentage of buyers is that? Because that, that seems significant to me. Well, so I can tell you, um, there's a property I bought in the corner of Parliament in Richmond and we're planning a 40-story tower there. I bought wow. it um, uh, a year and a half ago. I just got the design in maybe four or five months ago. Um, so we made our application for a zoning. And, I, and the city is going to sit on it and fiddle around <sighs> two and a half years before I get that result. So it'll be three and a half years before I get a shovel in the ground. Uh, and it'll take three years to build it, three and a half years to build it. So we're looking at seven to seven and a half years from my acquisition to finish. Because our margins are the same. They've always been the same. It's not like we're Apple and we're making 50 cents on every iPhone we sell. The margin in real estate is 15 to 18%. It's not a big margin. And if it's right. too low, a bank will lend you the hundreds of millions of dollars you need. They need to know they have some, some meat in it so that, it, you know, they're going to get their money back. But, but this city is only going to get more expensive, which was your question. It's going to get more expensive. We will not have the same year last year or this year that we had last year. The real estate price will rise this year, probably between 8 and 12%, something like that. Yeah, that's a big number nonetheless. Uh, Brad Lamb, uh, I want to wish you great success. Uh, happy New Year, my friend. Uh, and huge congratulations to the birth uh, of London. Uh, such a great name. And I, I am looking forward to your uh, delayed birthday party in uh, February. Uh, you stay safe, my friend. Uh, get well soon. Uh, and as, as always, I respect the fact you're doing the responsible thing. Congratulations to you. Friends at home, uh, have yourselves a great weekend. Jack and I will be back next Saturday uh, on Global News 640 Toronto from 7 to 8 p.m. Tune into the show. Thank you. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.